Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the same there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So open up to Matthew 7, verse 1. We are going backwards in the Sermon on the Mount and going to meet in the middle. So uh, we have somebody here that has done something which is completely unacceptable. We have someone here who has reached into the refrigerator, pulled out the milk carton and drank straight from it, and then put it back, (laughs) pretended that they didn't do it. We also have some people here whose mother has called them in the past week, and she said, why don't you ever call me? And yet you still haven't called her, even though she called you and told you to call her. We also have some people whose dogs uh, pooped on someone's yard or in some public area, and then you didn't go back and clean it up, and you know it, and you just left it there for someone else to step in. But then we also have other people in this room um, who are having affairs right now. We have people in this room who have stolen or are stealing right now. We have some people who are addicts and they're keeping it a secret, whatever that addiction may be, and it is not only destroying them, but destroying others. So, what do we do about that? In scripture here, it says, don't judge so that you won't be judged. Now, who is he talking to? Because someone's got to deal with this stuff, right? Because this stuff is destructive, not only to us, but to others. And so these things are happening, especially the milk carton. And we, what do we do? Someone's got to speak up. Shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't it be us, the church, that speaks to this, these wrongs? That's what sin is. Sin is doing the wrong thing. A sinner is someone that does the wrong things. Doesn't mean how often, if you just lied one time in your life, and you did nothing else wrong, that makes me a sinner. That's what the definition is. We keep throwing around sin, and we seem to not know what that really is. It just means to do the wrong thing. So what do we do about this? Because as Christians, I mean, isn't that our job? If it's not ours, whose is it? People, when they think about Christians, they think about us, they think that we are uptight and judgmental. I mean, duh, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, aren't we supposed to defend God? Doesn't he need us to defend him and what he calls us to? No. Think of it this way. When I think about my life, I wish that I had more people that would judge me. I mean, who doesn't say, 
man, could I have some more critical people in my life to tell me how I should be living my life? Said no one ever. <laughs> Yet we all have them, right? If you're having a child and you choose some name, of course someone's gonna tell you, well, that's not the name you should have chosen. Are you really gonna go with that? Or you buy a certain car, you live in a certain neighborhood, or you buy, you wear certain shoes, or you date a certain person or whatever, everyone has an opinion of how you should do it. But is that what judging means? What does it mean to judge? We've got to figure this out because we've got to figure out what is our role. Jesus is addressing this. He says, do not judge. So what does he mean? For example, when I get a request to write someone's college recommendation, should my response be, sorry, ma'am, can't do that. I can't judge you. So I can't send that in. Uh, before, when I've gotten requests to help out at a surf contest, and they say, could you be one of the judges for this subjective sport called surfing? Could you show up and judge? Sorry, can't do that. Or when my kid, yeah, we brought the bird. <laughs> See? If I stand here long enough, just like St. Francis of Assisi, the bird will come and rest on my arm but they're basically flying rats, so I'm not gonna let that bird near me. <laughs> so we have these certain areas where we're trying to figure out, do I judge or not judge? And by the way, Jerry, this is your job. If this bird's like circling around me and I don't see it, either, yeah, you do what needs to be done. <laughs> you know, put it in a cage and feed it, that's what I meant. This bird was here earlier. It was in the back in the youth area. Saw the signs, went right to the youth area. He feels so comfortable. Ruining the sermon, but he feels so comfortable. All right, so here we go. Oh, Jared, just let him. He seems to be mellow, so. Oh, you think he's going to fly out that door, don't you? <laughs> See, in the harbor, we used to have a problem with rats. They would, like, fly through, not all the time, but every once in a while. So now, we get birds. Okay, so let me, uh, let me take you in a different direction here. So you've heard of apartheid, right? How apartheid was created, in case you don't know what apartheid is, apartheid is basically, wow. Oh, oh, oh! But if we don't, but if we don't close that door, that bird's coming right back in. So, so can someone close that door just briefly? Because that bird's, bird's going to be in here trying to find the other bird known as the Holy Spirit. So, so apartheid is basically racism perfected. And the church was one of the primary instruments in making this happen. Uh, so I was reading from Philip Yancey, and he met the soon-to-be um, president of the Dutch Reformed Church. And apartheid, in case you don't know what it means, it means if, if races can't mix, whites can't mix with the blacks, the blacks can't mix with the coloreds, any other race, they don't mix. And if they mix by even hanging out with each other, dating, you could be sent to jail. Regardless of your color, if you break the line, that's what can happen. And this man who's about to take over for the Dutch Reformed Church said that when he was a kid in that church, they would preach that from the pulpit. I don't know how you do it, but we do crazy things like that. We make judgments on how things should be and we go off on our own. 
And so here he is taking over this organization that at one time preached that and said that's the way things need to be done and justified it. And everyone else would say, well, that's what the church says. God says this is the way it's supposed to be. Did God say that or did we step in for him and speak in his place? So what does it mean to judge? Let's look at what Jesus said here. He said, don't judge so that you won't be judged. To judge means to be in a place of authority. It means that you have been given permission to judge. So for example, if you go to a court of law, because that's what it's saying here basically, you are given the ability to make judgments, decisions, not just opinions, decisions. So it's saying, do not do this. In fact, Leo Tolstoy, uh, the Russian writer, took it so far as to say, you know what, because this is what it says in the Sermon on the Mount, we shouldn't have judges or juries. We shouldn't have any law because then we'll mess it up. That's not what's intended to be said here, but he took it so serious because he understood what the word judge means. So to fully understand what this word means, it probably would be helpful for us to go to another place in scripture, Luke 6. So we were just in Matthew 6, now we're going to Luke 6. And in Luke 6, it's Jesus teaching the same thing, but he expounds on what judge means. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So what we're seeing here is that to judge, and most translators will do this when they're trying to explain what it means. It means to condemn or declare guilt. So another way to say do not judge is do not condemn, do not declare guilt, or you too will be condemned and declared guilty. As I went through that list of possible things that were done, all of us can relate with some of those because we do them. So what do you do instead? Forgive and you will be forgiven. The opposite of judging is to forgive or to give charity or to give grace. So they go on in Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Do not judge or you too will be judged for... In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That word measure, we see it here and we're missing something because we didn't live at the time that Jesus is teaching us. So there's another place where it mentions um, measure and it's later in Luke chapter 6. And I love this because I've never understood it. So it says here, give and it will be given to you. Again, we're talking about judging, right? And so Jesus is saying instead of you condemning or proclaiming guilt, instead you should give. And as you give, it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. If you are normal, you have no idea what that means it's for something to be pressed down, shaken together, running over, and poured into your lap. That's usually when we just kind of skip over and go, I think it's important. I don't understand it. Let's go to the next thing. A good measure, the rabbis would say this. They would say there's two measures, two allotments. One is grace, and the other is justice. So you can measure either one. And Jesus is saying here to be graceful. 
as you are graceful, you will also be treated with grace by God. And this grace, this measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. So they would walk around with robes, right? They didn't walk around with cool jeans and sweaters and vans. They would have these robes. And they didn't have, if they went to Trader Joe's, nobody would offer them a bag. There weren't any bags, really. They didn't, it wasn't a common thing for someone to have a bag. So if you needed to grab something, whether it be food or some other object, you couldn't fit it in your hands if it was too much. Then you take your robe, you'd fold it up, and you'd put it there. Because you can carry it around like that, right? We've all done that at one point or another. Toby came cool and got pockets. But here, he's saying the grace of God will be so much, it'll be pressed down so it's made, made smaller, shaken together. It'll be so much, it's running over. So you've got it here. You've got God's grace in your lap. And it's so much that it's fallen out the sides. That's how we need to be to others. And so when we go back up, here in Matthew 7, verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, whether it is grace or judgment, that will be what you are measured by. Pretty intense words here, right? This is, this is difficult for me because I have a really hard time being judged. I have a really hard time being criticized. And so I do this ridiculous thing where I judge others and criticize others. Deep down unconsciously, I know why I do it. I know why we all do it because we figure that if we can judge others and condemn them, then the guilt that we're struggling with because we know what the right things are to do and we know we continually fall short. But if we can bring others down, then maybe that'll bring us up. When we deal with other people, if we're being honest, and they're dealing with us, we want God and we want others not to deal with us with justice. When we become criminals, we want grace. But when we put ourselves in the position of authority as judges, we so easily want to condemn or to place guilt. But if it's flipped, please give me grace. When we go through this Sermon on the Mount, as we go through the flow of it, Jesus is setting these standards that can't be reached. He says, you don't murder? No, I don't murder. Well, then are you angry with your brother? Because it's pretty much the same thing. Ugh. Adultery, don't commit adultery. This is earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Pfft, got that one, check. And he said, but do you lust at all for another woman? At all? Ugh. What about revenge? Someone has done something to you and the right response, justice, is that they will have to pay for it. And Jesus says, you need to respond in generosity. Ugh. So when we see this verse that says, do not judge or you too will be judged, we can go, whoa, 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 let's not take it too far. Does that mean we can just do whatever we want? Does that matter? Oh, fine, do that. No, because Jesus already set the standard. The standard doesn't change. But the reality with the standard is, is that we all 
are falling short. And since we are all falling short, we know what the standard is, but the way that we interact with each other, we need to choose the measure of grace because God has been so graceful with us because he sets this standard so high and yet it says in scripture where sin abounds, grace blows right by it. That's what Romans 5.20 says. It says that even though we are filled with making mistakes, God's grace blows by it. So it doesn't, it doesn't take the standards that Jesus is teaching. It doesn't take the right way to live and say it doesn't matter. It just says you will fall short because I'm setting the standard so high it can't be reached, but that's what you're shooting for. And when you don't reach it, my grace will lift you up. That's how we can interact with others with grace because we know what it is that God is graceful with us. Because when you're graceful with others, there's no guarantee they're gonna treat you or reward you with grace. When you act towards others with grace and mercy, there is no promise that anyone else is gonna to respond to you in grace. If you have your Bibles, I want you, if you could, to go to Romans 5.20, because I want you to see it. If you don't have a Bible, you can, um, you can open up your phone and download that Bible app right now. So what do we do with this? How do we live this way? It's one thing to say it. How do we actually live in this way? We need to stay in our lane. If you struggle with others judging you, you need to ask the question. Because all of us have to have a judge. Who have you decided is going to be your judge? Is it the Lord? Or are you trying to seek the approval of others? Because if we're trying to seek the approval of others, whether it be friends, family, the church, pastors, teachers, bosses, then you're going to be moving left and right, up and down based on their whims, tossed to and fro. But if you are choosing to let the Lord be your judge, then when other people say stuff, you just have to ask, Lord, are you speaking through them to me? Because you're my judge. You're the one I'm listening to. I have an audience of one, and it's you. But this scripture is not talking about how we should treat people that judge us. It says we need to start with ourselves and to not judge. And instead of judging, what do we do? We operate in grace. We operate in charity. We look for ways to give. In the way that we want to be treated, we so treat others. And when you think of the many ways that you fall short and how you want to be responded to, that's how we then respond to others. Here in Romans 5.20, it says the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Does that make any sense to you guys? <laughs> it doesn't mean that you actually do more wrong things. You're just more aware of it. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Do you know that? Do you know that without a doubt? That God loves you no matter what. That nothing can separate you from the love of God. Because the more that you're able to rest into that, the more you're able to embrace that, the more that you're able to not hear the judging voices and instead hear from the judge 
and know that he embraces you, that his grace abounds and blows right past the line of sin, then we are set free to love others. I used to think that I knew what grace meant. Two years ago, when I was in the hospital, being completely embraced by his grace and knowing how much he loved me, I knew it mentally, but I didn't know it to my depths. And I could sense his complete embrace and acceptance of me, and it didn't make sense because I'm a judge. I shouldn't be treated that way. I know what I've done. I know what I could have done and didn't do. I know how I should be treated. And yet the God of the universe is embracing me that way, can see right past all of that sin. And why? Because he came and died for that sin. It's been washed away. All we have to do is accept that gift from him. And then I am completely clean in his sight. And so I'm sitting there with this complete understanding of his embrace around me, even though I see myself differently. We all do, don't we? If you walk in a room and you hear two people speaking quietly, what are they saying about me? Because they've got to be saying something about me, right? I would be saying something about me, so they must. And then we translate what they're saying. We can't even hear the words. I bet they're saying this. I bet they're saying this. Why are we doing that? Because we're judging ourselves. Until we can stop doing that, until we can understand the grace that God has for us, we're not set free truly to not judge others, to not condemn others, to not place guilt on others. That doesn't mean the standard doesn't change. I have people in my life who are in the, the, the consequences of adultery. Do I look at them and go, oh, no big deal, man. Don't worry about that. We all blow it. No, but you know what I would want if I was in that situation? For someone to come near to me and embrace me. You know how you can tell the difference when you're judging and not? When you approach them and you're not approaching them because of what they've done, but you're approaching them because it's them. Because you love them. You want what's best for them and you're near them for that reason. Even when you don't feel like it. Now I know some of you have people in your minds right away and you're like, how in the world should that person be embraced? What they did to me, what they did to that person That's why it's called grace. It doesn't mean we forget. It means we forgive. Jesus had multitudes following him. Multitudes following him wherever he went. And yet, he's the judge, right? He has the authority to condemn. He has the authority to proclaim guilt. And yet, all of these who are guilty are looking for ways to be around him, flocking to him so much so that the religious people are like, why are all these sinners, these adulterers, these prostitutes, these tax collectors, these people whose dogs poop on the yard and then they don't clean it up? Why are you letting all these people that do all this wrong hang out with you? If you're holy, why are you letting this happen? Jesus said, I did not come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. Who are the righteous? No one. There is no one righteous. We have all fallen short. We've all gone astray. And Jesus says, I've come for you. And in the same way that he's come for us, we go for others. We should not be known to the culture outside these doors 
as the judgmental, uptight people. We should not be known for what we're against. We should be known for what we are for. Did the Pharisees, you know what they argued with Jesus about? You know what, we're, you should be against them. What was he against? He was against the Pharisees' judgmentalism. Read the scriptures. See what he's most upset about. Is he most upset about people sinning or people being judgmental? It is unbelievably unweighted how much he's attacking our judgment of each other. It's not our job. Stay in our lane. Our lane. The greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Last week, we talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. We all have fallen short and we know what we really want. That's what we need to be known for. We need to leave these doors. Even before you leave these doors, we need to interact with each other with grace. We need to choose the measure of grace. Justice belongs to him. Our lane, our responsibility is grace, is charity. So I told you earlier about this church, right? This leader who's taken over the Dutch Reformed Church. So as he's talking and sharing this story with Philip Yancey, he says, we made a decision. He said, one of the things we've done is we've repented. It doesn't, as we've talked about many times, repent doesn't mean to feel sorry. It means to change. But also they did it publicly, which means they apologized to the entire country and outside of South Africa saying, we were wrong and we blew it. You know someone is following Christ when they have a habit of saying, I'm sorry. Because you're going to have to say it a lot. Because we fall short. We either say it to the Lord, I'm sorry, or to each other. And so the church, this Dutch Reformed church said, I'm sorry. And then they actually changed. So they have all these resources because their church became huge. It's crazy. You can have a judgmental, hardline group of people and people flock to that. It makes them feel safe. It makes it feel like everything's in order, organized. So this church grew even though they were doing the opposite. They were judging. They were separating. They were saying one person is better than another. And on top of that, they got all of these resources, all of this money. They have amazing churches with great kitchens and great athletic fields. And so they made a decision. They said, We've, with all of this, we need to do what Christ would do. We need to give it away. And so now they're using their facilities to help those hit with AIDS. I was in South Africa right after apartheid. And when I was there, if you had AIDS, you're off to the side. You must have done something to deserve that. I can't believe you slept with that, but that's why God says you better not do this because this is his judgment. People had to find an excuse. They wanted to condemn, make people feel guilty. And now, the mo some of the most ostracized people in South Africa, those with AIDS, the church is saying, no, 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 we embrace you. What can we do for you? They don't ask, well, how'd you get to this situation? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? They entrust them to the Lord to be the judge. Their responsibility is to stay in their lane and to give grace and to give mercy, to care for the poor. The blacks are some of the poorest in Africa. And why? Because of the Dutch Reformed Church. 
They accept that, they've admitted that, and now they're trying to rectify that. That's what we do. We're still human. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, but we say we're wrong, and then we move more and more towards the standard that Christ has shared. To give our life away to others, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. To not judge, but instead to give charity and to give grace. So I want to close with this. We're going to be talking about this a lot during Easter. Jesus had all of these sinners that flocked to him. Why? Because he was safe. He was dangerous, but he was safe. We need to be known as his followers, as people of grace, as people that will embrace anyone. Father, we need, we need you to pull this off. This is not our nature. Open our eyes more and more to your grace. Open our eyes more and more to your mercy. As we see you clearly, Lord, I know that we can then love others. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Could you please stand with us? The uh, worship team has chosen songs that will help us to pray this. So they'll lead us. Um, If you could close your eyes for a moment. And don't let the words get in the way or the lights or whatever else it is, but just, just present yourself before the Lord. You can stay standing. Um, I was thinking it would be so ironic if after what we read today, you know, take the plank out of our own eye. Um, first, if I got up here and said, well, here's what you need to do about what Boogie said today. So... <laughs> When I saw the scripture for this week, I was like, oh, great. This means that, you know, it's going to get personal for me. Um, So I'm going to let it be personal, and I'm just going to ask you to apply it to yourself because it doesn't really matter how it applies to me. It matters how it applies to you, but only you know that. So what I will tell you is that this week, um, I have been working through... uh, I have a sister, I have two sisters, and I have a sister where she and I are both very, all three of us have strong personalities, strong opinions, we definitely have our own individual lanes, but one of my sisters and I, a lot of times we can just rub each other the wrong way. We can irritate each other, we can have very different opinions, and it's so weird because we're both right, and you know, it's just, it's, it's the struggle, it's the, it's, the, it's the rub, but it's also we're better because we have each other and we're sharper because we have each other. And, um, you know, we're going through things and I'm working through some things. And Jesus died for people. He didn't die for issues. He didn't hang on the cross so that we could be about an issue, for an issue, against an issue, He died for people, individual people. Whoever that person is in your life right now that is that conflict, that is that rub, Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves you. And Jesus is for that person just as much as he is for you. Jesus is for my sister just as much as he is for me. 
And I was sitting here thinking, you know, this week I've been writing down like some of the things or some of the offenses just to kind of purge it, right? And I've been thinking as I was sitting here, okay, I spent that time this week looking at what I'm against. It's time to start looking at what I'm for. What am I for about her? What do I love about her? What can I get on board about her? How can I start praying for her and championing for her and encouraging for her? And put the things against aside and be about the four, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, that's the application. How do we do this? How do we do this? How do we not judge? How do we not condemn? We focus on what we're for instead of what we're against. You know, Jesus was a bridge. He was the bridge between where we stand and where God is, and Jesus is the bridge. And if we are to be like Jesus, we are to be like bridges. When someone wrongs us or they hurt us or they offend us, they are just showing us, telling us, there's a gap right now in the season where they're at, between where they're at and where God is and what God says. It's our job to be a bridge. It's our job to stand in that gap, to be the bridge, to help connect them from where they're at to where God has for them to get to. And it's their job, if they're believers, to do that for us. And my sister does that for me in the areas where I fall short, and she's a bridge. Sometimes it feels great to be a bridge. You stretch out. It's like going to yoga. I'm like 4'2 when I walk into yoga, and I'm 5'8 when I walk out, right? Sometimes it feels great to be a bridge, and sometimes it hurts because somebody's walking on your back. That is the life of Jesus. That is what it means to be like Jesus. So I'm confessing to you where I was this week and where my heart was when I came in and sat down. And I am um, saying out loud what I'm going to do for that person now and moving forward as well. The lesson is learned. And I'm going to walk in that. And I, I hope that that's helpful to somebody and I... I hope that you heard whatever it is that you're supposed to hear today and that you have a plan of action moving forward so that we can be doers, be doers, and be more like Jesus this week. Will you pray with me? Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you that you don't leave me as I am, but that you have something better even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when it's public. Thank you. Thank you that that's true for every single one of us in this room. I pray that you'll speak to us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. Lord, I pray that I would remember your grace and that each of us in here would remember your grace all week long so that when it comes time to give it to others this week as we're going to need to, we have it freely to give. Lord, I pray that you go before us this week, that you hem us in before and behind. Thank you for Boogie who would bring a hard message like that. It's not easy to teach something like that. Thank you for speaking to him and thank you for his obedience to bring it to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.